Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Schuler, and welcome to the Fortress of Truth. Thank you so much for joining today. God loves you, and I know He has great things in store for your life. Today we're going to continue looking in the Word of God at mercy and truth. We've been looking at Proverbs chapter 3, beginning with verse 1, where it says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. We've been looking at mercy and truth and seeing how God doesn't want us to turn loose of it. Either one of them. He says, let not mercy and truth forsake you. Don't let it get away from you, in other words. And how could it get away from us? Well, it says at the beginning of the passage, forget not my law. Let your heart keep my commandments. As long as we don't turn loose of what God said in his word and what he's instructed us to do, as long as we're not forgetful hearers of the word, but we're doers of the word, we actually apply it to our life, then we will see change. Then we will see transformation. It's only the doers that experience results. If we hear the Word of God and we take in the Word of God day in, day out, for years, but never apply it, never actually put it into practice, it won't give us any results. In fact, in 2 Peter 2, it says that for those who hear the word but don't apply it and don't let it change them, it's actually worse off for them. It would have been better if they had never even heard the word in the first place. As soon as we hear the word of God, we're responsible for applying it to our life. And when we do that, then the power of God goes to work in our life. As we renew our mind and change the way we think, getting rid of the world's way of thinking and instead learning to think and act and speak in line with the Word of God, then we can see transformation taking place in our life from the inside out. If you've accepted Jesus and you've made Him the Lord of your life, you've been born again, your spirit, the real man on the inside of you, is 100% in communion with God. However, when you're born again, our soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions, as well as our body, continues to stay the same as it was before we were born again. We have to renew our mind. We have to change our way of thinking away from the pattern of the world, not being conformed to this world system, but instead being transformed by changing the way we think and learning to think in line with the Word of God. 
And as we change our thinking, we adjust our perspective, getting rid of the world's perspective and the the way we've been trained naturally to respond, to speak, to act, and instead letting the love of God that's been put in our heart, letting that flow out of us towards other people, and letting the wisdom of God come forth in what we say, and letting the truth of God and His good character come out in what we do, then we see transformation. And as we do this, we build our life upon a solid foundation, an unshakable rock, the Word of God. But we have to be doers of the Word. If we're not a doer of the Word, if we're just a hearer, then our life is built on a shaky, shifting foundation. Jesus likened it to building your house upon the sand. And when a storm comes, it can blow your house down with very minimal effort. As soon as the slightest bit of pressure comes against you, you can start to crumble. If you haven't been putting into practice what the Word of God teaches, if you haven't been acting upon what God says and what He showed you in His Word. In other words, if you're not a doer, when the storms come against you, there will be a great collapse. But when we are a doer, when we apply the Word of God to our life and we don't just let it be, we don't let the Word of God just be decoration on our coffee table or on our bookshelf, but rather a guide for the way we live our life, then our life will be built upon a solid rock and the storm can't be big enough to shake you and to destroy things in your life. All of us face challenges. All of us will experience storms and pressures and challenges in life negative circumstances coming against us, people that may be a little bit thorny or a little bit prickly. Every one of us will experience less than ideal circumstances in one way or another. It doesn't mean that God caused them. It doesn't mean that He put them on you to teach you something. Rather, it's a fact of where we live. Things happen down here on the earth. But God has put within us overcoming power, overcoming grace, triumphing ability on the inside of us so that no matter what comes against us, we can come out victorious. 1 Corinthians 15 says, Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And 2 Corinthians 2 says, thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ. We are an overcomer. We have been reborn. We have been recreated in the likeness and image of God's own Son, Jesus Christ. If we've been born again, we are as He is right now. And he has already overcome all power of the enemy. And so we can walk victorious 
over every situation that comes against us. Romans 8.28 says that God is working all things for our good because we love Him and because we're called according to His purpose. Because we're following Him with all of our heart, doing everything that we know to do that He's instructed us to do, living our life for Him in the best way that we can, God will turn even things that were meant for your harm. He will turn it for your good. That's the power of God. That's the ability, the power that resides in the Word of God. As long as we are doers of the Word and as long as we don't turn loose of what He's told us, then we will come out victorious over every circumstance that comes against us. God won't allow something to come against you that you can't overcome. And he says in Hebrews 4 that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find mercy and obtain grace to help in our time of need. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God has given us strength in our inner man, in our spirit, the real us on the inside. He has given us strength and ability to overcome and to walk victorious in our life. And he promises to protect us and deliver us out of every snare and trap of the enemy. We saw this last time as we're looking at God's truth and the importance of not turning loose of his truth. We saw in Psalm 91 that his truth is our shield and our buckler. Now, a buckler is another type of shield. A shield is something that protects you from attacks. In this world, we have an enemy. We have an adversary. The Bible describes him as Satan or the devil. And he wants to destroy us. Jesus said that he only ever comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He can bring pressures to bear against us. And he can cause things stir up storms in our life. But no matter what kind of weapon that he may form against us, God said, it shall not prosper. Isaiah 54, 17, God said, no weapon formed against you shall prosper, but every tongue that rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is what we have inherited because we are servants of God, children of God, we have inherited this victory, this impenetrability, if you will, this imperviousness to attacks of the enemy. Now, those are big, fancy words. It just simply means that the enemy can't touch you. He can't get you. Why? Because we have a shield what is that shield? It's God's truth. Now, what is God's truth? 
Well, we saw in John 17, Jesus said, John 17, 17, sanctify them through thy word. Thy word is truth. Jesus was praying to the Father for us, and he was praying that we wouldn't be taken out of the world. He said, I don't ask that, we, that they would be taken out of the world, but rather that you, Father, would keep them from the evil that's in the world. Jesus said in John 16 that in the world we will have tribulation. It's just a fact of life. Living down here on the earth, we will experience tribulation, which is trouble. Bad things will happen. Like the expression says, life happens. But he went on in that very same verse, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Psalm 34 says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. So Jesus is praying for us, and he says he's praying that the Father would keep us from the evil that's in the world. And how is God going to do this? Well, Jesus says, sanctify them. That means that we are to be set apart unto God. We're in this world as ambassadors for God. We're not part of this world's system. We shouldn't be conformed and so well-adjusted to the way the world operates that we just fit in without even thinking about it. We need to be different. We need to be set apart unto God. Now, this doesn't mean that we go out and act weird and, you know, be um, misfits in society. First Peter says that God has chosen us. We're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a peculiar people. And some people have taken that literally, that we're to be peculiar and strange as believers. We're not supposed to be strange and weird. We're supposed to be set apart. That just simply means that we don't take part in everything that the world does. We're different. We are ambassadors of the kingdom of God in this world. The Bible says that we've been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and put into the kingdom of God's dear son. So even though we live, physically live in this world, I live in Missouri, and then you live wherever you live, whether it's in another state in the U.S. or even another country, another part of the world. Wherever you live, that's where your body resides. That's where you're at right now. But you're not a part of the world's system, the world's way of doing things anymore. If you've accepted Jesus and been born again, then you are a child of God and you are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And you have been sent here to earth on assignment 
a royal assignment from the king, you are an ambassador to this dark world. Now, an ambassador doesn't live according to the economy of the country he's in. For example, the United States has ambassadors in all the different countries of the world. And some of these countries are poor countries. They're not as well off as the United States. Other countries have different laws than the United States. However, the ambassador, the United States ambassador to that country doesn't have to abide and live according to the economy of that country. He lives according to the economy of the United States because that's where he's a citizen of, or she, whatever the case may be. That's where they're from. They live according to the economy of the country that they're from. In fact, the United States Embassy in whatever country is considered U.S. soil. I happen to have the opportunity to visit Washington, D.C., and that would be our nation's capital, and all the other countries have their embassies in our capital. And I had the opportunity to visit the embassy of the nation of Israel. And as I entered the embassy, they told me, welcome to Israel. Even though I, at this time, have not ever gone overseas myself, I have set foot in another country. I set foot in the Israeli embassy, which means that I was now under the jurisdiction of Israel. I was in a place that was governed by their laws and their rules and functioned according to their economy. In the same way, we as Christians, as believers, we don't have to live according to this world. In fact, we shouldn't. We have diplomatic immunity, you might say, because we're ambassadors of the kingdom of God. We don't have to go through all the storms of life down here. Now, they may be all around us, but the storm and the pressure that may be coming against us never has to get into us because we are of the kingdom of God and God promises to protect us and shield us from the attacks of the enemy and the trials that are in this world. That doesn't mean that we won't ever face them. We will. Once again, what Jesus said, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer because we can go right through the tribulation right on to victory. So we need to be set apart. God is setting us apart from the rest of the world so that we don't have to function and operate the way they do. And he does this through his word. The word of God is what enables us to be set apart and to be different from the rest of the world. Now, sometimes this isn't 
very comfortable for us to be different. Sometimes it can be uncomfortable to be different. There are times when it would just be easier to blend in and to not rock the boat and to just kind of lay low and fly under the radar. But that's not what we're supposed to do. We are called to be set apart unto God and to be different from the rest of the world, to not be conformed to the world's way of thinking, but rather to be transformed by the renewing of our mind and through the Word of God. Now, why would we do this? Why would we be transformed by the Word of God? Because the Word of God is the truth. And we're supposed to not let mercy and truth forsake us. We're supposed to hold on to the mercy of God and the truth of God with everything in us. As we prepare to close today, let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians 5, the latter part of the chapter, Paul starts giving instructions for husbands and wives in their marital relationship. And he likens a marriage to the relationship between Christ and the church. He says that the husbands are supposed to be as Christ unto the church. Whatever Jesus did for us, however he, whatever his heart is for us, that should be a husband's heart toward his wife. And likewise, however we, the church, believers, Christians, are supposed to be towards Jesus, that's how the wife is supposed to be toward her husband. But notice what he says in Ephesians 5, beginning with verse 25. He says, Husbands, he's speaking to the husbands, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he may present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but it, that it should be holy and without blemish. Notice what the Lord does for us. As believers, he says that, we, that he wants to sanctify us. Once again, that means to set us apart. He wants us to be different than the rest of the world, set apart unto God. And he wants us to be cleansed with the washing of water by the word. This gives the picture of taking a shower or taking a bath, getting all of the dirt and filth off of us. And we do that by use of water. So in other words, we need to take a spiritual shower and we need to get cleaned up. Now, how does this happen? We can't do it ourselves. We can't clean ourselves up 
to meet God's standards. Jesus does this for us. But how does he do it? Through the Word of God. The Holy Spirit will gently show us and teach us. You need to show a little bit more love to that person. You need to walk in love more. You need to be more patient. You need to not be depressed. You need to let the joy of the Lord rise up inside of you and come out. You need to be more generous in your giving. Don't be stingy. Be generous. And don't just give because you feel like you have to. Be cheerful about it. All of these things are found in the Word of God. And as we yield ourselves to the Lord and open ourselves up to Him and let Him show us and teach us what we need to see, and then we act upon those instructions, then each time we do this, we become a little bit cleaner. A little bit more of the world washes off of us. And we become a little bit more mature spiritually and a little bit more like Jesus. That is the end goal. That is the prize that we're striving for. That's what we're running our race to attain is to be just like Jesus. And the way we can reach this goal is by getting into the Word of God, not turning it loose, but rather applying the truth of God's Word to our life and then living it out. He cleanses us with the washing of water by the Word. And he does this that he might present the church to himself as a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, no defects. How is this possible? Again, it's through the power of God's Word. God's Word is the truth. And Jesus said in John 8 that if we continue in His Word, we're His disciples indeed. And if we continue in His Word, we will know the truth. And the truth will make us free. Jesus went on to say, Whom the Son has made free is free indeed. Another version says, Whom the Son has set free is really free. When we change our mindset and start thinking in line with the Word of God and become a doer of His Word, taking His Word to heart and acting on it, then we become truly free. Free to live according to the Word of God. Free to live not according to the customs and patterns of this world, but rather according to the truth of God's Word. When we know the Word of God, we continue in it. We know the truth. And then the truth will make us free. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. 
Be sure to follow us and subscribe there on your platform so that you never miss an episode of The Fortress of Truth. And I encourage you to share this with your friends and family. Let other people know about it. And I hope you join us again next time as we continue seeing what the Lord has for us in His Word. God bless you and have a blessed, prosperous, victorious day in Jesus' name.